Hi, welcome to Broadway Assembly Church Podcast. We are excited for you to be joining us today. If you want to get a notification of the most recent uploads, please subscribe to our podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. I want to be reading uh, two passages of Scripture this morning. We're going to go to uh, the Old Testament book of 2 Kings first. 2 Kings, and uh, you can turn to chapter 4, and we'll look at verses 1 through 7. And then we're going to go to Psalm 31. I do want us to remember uh, the family, the Treadway family, the Johnson family. Uh, Arlene uh, Johnson passed away yesterday afternoon during surgery, I understand. And so let's just uh, support, amen, uh, the Johnson Treadway family with with our prayers as uh, comfort and strength in uh, this time. And so we don't want to forget, amen, to hold up our church family in prayer because I have heard the testimony of people say, Pastor, I know the church is praying because I feel the prayers. Isn't that a good feeling to be able to feel the prayers? Amen. You really can. Uh, I, I've felt the prayers. And so let's, let's make sure to do that. Amen. <clears throat> Second Kings chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. This is... Uh, a kind of familiar story. If you're, uh, if you've been in church for very long at all, uh, you know this story. But let's read it together. Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, "Thy servant, my husband, is dead, and there, uh, and thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord, and the creditor is come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen." And Elisha said unto her. What shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in thine or in the house? And she said, Thine handmaid hath not anything in the house, save a pot of oil. Then he said, Go borrow the vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels, borrow not a few. And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons, and shalt pour out into all those vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is full. So she went from him and shut the door upon her and upon her sons, who brought the vessels to her, and she poured out. And it came to pass, when the vessels were full, that she said unto her son, Bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, There is not a vessel more. And the oil stayed or stopped. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil, and pay thy debt, and live thou and thy children of the rest. How many know God provides, even in the bleakest of circumstances, he provides? Now, Psalm 31, uh, let's look at this uh, passage together, just two verses. Verse 4 of Psalm 31, and then we're going to drop down to verse 14 of Psalm 31. All right, so Psalm 31, 4 says, Pull me out of the net that they have laid privately for me. For thou, that means God, thou art my strength. Verse 14, But I trusted in thee, O Lord, and I said, Thou art. My God. 
I want to share for a few minutes this morning on trapped, but trusting. Trapped, but trusting. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, thank you for the word of the Lord. God, I pray that you would crown this service with your presence as we go to your word. That you would open our eyes to see your truth, our ears to hear your voice, our minds to understand your word. And Lord, glorify yourself this morning in this service. We want you to be lifted up. And Lord, we'd love to see somebody's trust reach out to you. Maybe they've not pursued you lately. May they do that before they leave this place. In Christ's name, all God's people say amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Praise the Lord. I like stories, don't you? You like stories? Uh, recently, I read about a, an antique dealer who was in a hardware store and uh, spotted a very valuable antique bowl. And although the collectible bowl was worth, according to this antique dealer, thousands of dollars, uh, the hardware store owner was using it to feed his cat out of. And not wanting to alert the hardware store owner of the value of this bowl, this clever antique dealer said to the hardware store owner, said, I'd like to buy your cat. I'll give you 20 bucks for him. Hardware store owner <laughs> turned him down. Well, the antique dealer went up, and finally he got to $100. He offered him, I'll give you $100 for your cat. At that point, the hardware store owner agreed to sell his cat. So on preparing to leave, the antique dealer said to the hardware store owner, said, I assume I get the cat's bowl to go with the cat, right? And the owner replied and said, oh, no, that's my lucky bowl. I've sold 34 cats with it this week. <laughs> Sometimes those who try to trap others end up being trapped themselves, right? But how many know the feeling of being trapped is certainly not one we enjoy? It's among one of the worst feelings that we as humans can experience. Focus on the family founder, uh, James Dobson, tells the story of a little toddler named Frankie. Frankie was a handful, to say the least. And one day he goes over to the front window of the house and he pulls back the curtains and he gets up against the window and just stares out at the world. And about that time, mom comes looking for him and quietly slips in behind the curtain with him just in time to hear him say to himself, as forceful as a toddler can, he said, I've got to get out of here. Now, have you ever been in a situation like Frankie, where you said to yourself, I've got to get out of here? Hopefully you're not feeling that way in the service. But I think statistics would say all of us have felt those times, right? 
We've all had times where we have felt like, as the saying goes, we are at the end of our rope. What do you do when you reach that point? Well, the realist would say, we've heard it, tie a knot and hang on. That's right. The pessimist would say, you might as well let go. It's only going to get worse. The optimist would say, just tie another knot and keep climbing. But each of those bits of advice, uh, in certain cases, would probably have their own merit. But in reality, church, there's only one thing you can do when you are trapped. And that's what I want to speak about this morning, because in prayer, I, I just felt someone is at that place this morning. And so if you're at the end of your rope and there's a long drop beneath you and you don't know what to do, we want to help you. We want to give you a little direction. We want you to know uh, there's some advice, right? Say the word trapped with me. Trapped. Trapped. Like you're facing problems maybe with a, a, a wayward son or daughter that you can't solve. That'll make you feel trapped. Trapped, like when you're uh, kind of bouncing in the waves of unrelenting hopelessness uh, of other circumstances, like there's problems at the workplace. There seems to be no way out. Uh, trapped, like when you have followed your loved one's body to the graveyard. You can't escape the loneliness that comes and the grief that comes or or the emotional pain. Trapped like when your heart's broken, your dreams are shattered, your hopes have been dashed on the cruel rocks of reality. That happens. Trapped like when you're walking through a spiritual wasteland or desert place and you haven't felt the Lord and you have not... Somebody say trapped. Well... When you're walking through those places, the answer found in Scripture is that trust wins over the trap every time. Did you hear me, church? Every time. And our text of 2 Kings 4, 1 through 7 tells us about a widow who found herself basically trapped. In her pain, in her poverty, she did the only thing she needed to do, and that is she turned to her trust in the Lord. So I want to take this story. Let's make a few observations that hopefully will be inspiring and instructing for us here this morning. Observation number one. First of all, say this with me. God knows our trap. God knows our trap. All right, let's look what this trap for this lady consisted of. First of all, there was despair. Because the word that is used here in the Hebrew, which says she cried unto the man of God, means actually in the Hebrew to weep uncontrollably or to shriek out in grief. Uh, it's a word that identifies really the sound of a broken heart. Uh, because this woman comes to Elisha, the man of God, at what we would consider the lowest moment of her life. She's, like we talked last Sunday, she's desperate. Okay, so uh, there's despair in her family. Secondly, there has been 
a death in her family. She was married to one of the, quote, the text says, sons of the prophets. Now, these were the men who were in training under Elisha to be the next generation of preachers in Israel. So they were being mentored by the man of God. Her husband, her friend, her provider, her protector, who was one of these young preachers, had been taken away somehow in death. So she was broken because of the loved one that was taken away. So there was despair, there was death. And because of that death, it seems this third point is that there was debt. So there was despair, death, and debt in her family. Since her husband had passed, she can't pay the bills. As a result, the creditors are coming to take her two sons away as slaves to simply work off the debt. Okay, that's how they did it. This was allowed under the Jewish law, according to Leviticus 25, verse 39. She's been deprived of her husband. Now she's going to be deprived of her sons as well. And now she's over her head in this debt. She doesn't see how she's going to make it. But I want you to notice this third thing. There was devotion in her family. In spite of the despair, in spite of the death and the debt, she did have devotion that held on to her trust in God. Isn't that beautiful? And she needs help, but she doesn't turn to her family or friends. She does not find someone and ask for a loan. She doesn't go down to one of these payday loan places that you need to stay away from. They'll get you in trouble. Okay, in her desperation, she turns to the man of God for help. And Elisha has, has he's been the, the pastor for that area. He's been God's representative on earth. And so he was her best hope. And she reminds Elisha, when she goes to tell him about her situation, that her husband was a God-fearing man, and Elisha no doubt knew her husband. And, uh, and so now her life has been a life of a devotion to the Lord. And, and now in this moment of trouble, she, she trusts the Lord. She turns to the Lord. And in spite of her pain and her problems and her lack of possibilities, she still looks up to the Lord for help. And even though she couldn't see a way out, she knew that perhaps as, as humans, how I many know we can't see everything? Mm-mm. And even though she didn't understand everything she was facing, she still believed that God cared and that he could do something about her situation. So she cried out to him in faith. And at some point, how many know every person in this room is going to arrive at a low point in your life? It's going to happen. Some have already been through it and can testify about it. Others are there, no doubt, right now and are looking for help. Others may be there tomorrow or, or some other time in the future. And when you reach that point, how many know the world, the flesh, and the devil are going to be there to tell you that God doesn't see and that he doesn't care? And the fact is, he does see. 
And he does care. And not a single thing is hidden from God's view. And the text teaches us that our problems, while they may appear unbeatable in our eyes, are just really an opportunity for God. Amen. Therefore, no matter what you are called on to face in this life, we've got to learn to turn to the Lord first. And when we're trapped, we've got to affirm our trust. Because God cares, he's able, and he'll work for our need. Okay, so the first observation was simply, uh, <clears throat> what was it? That's right, God knows our trap. Observation number two, God releases our potential even in spite of the trap. That's in verses two through four. Now, it would have been easy for Pastor Elisha to have said to this unnamed sister in the text, uh, okay, sis, uh, you've suffered enough. The Lord's going to meet this need. Go home, wait it out. He's going to work. But instead of taking that route, the, the man of God chose to involve the widow in her own miracle. And in the text, I want you to notice how God first erased her faith in herself by forcing her to admit what she didn't have. But then God expanded her faith by teaching her trust and obey. And how many know God's good about doing that to you and I? Because the Lord erased the faith of this widow, the faith that she had in herself, by Elisha asking two questions. He said, what do you need? And what do you have? By those two questions, this widow woman was made to see the size of her need and the smallness of her own resources. You see that? She needed everything, but she had very little. And often God, I believe God will use the trap and the trial to bring us to a place where we can honestly see our need and our own inability to meet it. Think about it. As long as we think we can handle things, why should we look to the Lord? If we have all the answers, why should we turn to him with any questions? But when we stop and honestly answer those two questions that Elisha asked this lady, we will realize that we need more than we will ever be able to supply by ourselves. God does this to erase our faith in ourselves. He isn't trying to erase our faith in him. No, he's trying to erase our faith in ourselves. And as long as we think we can, he won't. How does God expand our faith? After God erased her faith in herself and, and her own abilities, he began the process of expanding her faith in the power of God to meet her needs. Now, I want us to, to put a finer point on that, and I want to share with you about three things. First of all, he expands our faith personally. Everybody say personally. 
Okay, so Elisha's second question, what hast thou in the house, was designed to teach this lady that it may not look like she had much. But in reality, she already had everything she needed to obtain what she wanted. She couldn't see it, but God had already given her the very thing that he could use to meet her needs. And so her answer to Elisha is to tell him that she had basically a jar of oil. The word there in the text actually means flask, a flask of oil in the Hebrew. This oil was probably a small amount of anointing oil used by the prophets to anoint the men of God and and, in prayer. And so this little flask of oil had sat in the house unused, probably since the husband died. And that little insignificant flask of oil was going to be the answer to her prayers. Now, what we fail to realize is that God has already given us everything we need to get our needs met. That widow said that the only thing of value she had was this flask of oil. Yet we, how many know we've got more than a flask of oil? Think about it. We look at our problems and we, we see them as so large. We look at our possessions and, and maybe you're here this morning. You're like, well, pastor, I don't really have a lot. That's fine. Yet we always fail though to factor God into the equation whether you got a lot or a little. So, so God places us in scary situations where our faith must be expanded personally. So that's what he does, personally. Secondly, he expands her faith publicly. This widow is told to go to all her neighbors and borrow empty vessels that every vessel she could get her hands on or her son's, and that, that's a kind of a strange command. How, how do you suppose she explained this to her neighbors? Did she say, my crazy preacher told me to do this? Did she say, don't ask. Just don't even ask. But I need to borrow some empty jars or pots and pans. Or did she say, I'm flat broke, but God's about to meet my need. I don't know how he's going to do it, but the man of God said, go and borrow some vessels. So neighbor, I don't understand it, but I'm trusting that God knows what he's doing here. Praise God. I kind of believe that was her. It may have been that God used her faith to speak to her neighbor's faith. They'd be like, oh, sure, here, let me know how that goes. They might have thought she had lost her mind as she went and sent her sons door to door collecting vessels. But think about this, church. What a witness it was going to be when they begin to hear how the Lord met that need. God used her as a living, breathing object lesson on faith to her neighbors. How many know he can do the same for us? We talk about how we love the Lord and how many know it's just words until the Lord sends us into a trap? Hmm? 
When we are trapped in a trial, he comes through for us in a big way. It begins to speak volumes to those who are watching us. You never know who the Lord is using to speak to through your life. Our life, how many know it's a billboard? Advertising the grace and the blessing and the power of God in the middle of a lost world. So he expands her faith personally, publicly, and thirdly, privately. Notice the command in the scripture was, I want you to go in the house and shut the door. Somebody say, shut the door. So faith is moving in this widow's heart. She obeys the Lord. She borrows the vessels. And she and her sons shut themselves in the house and trust God to do what he promised to do. Can you imagine the scene now? I want you to imagine this scene as it, 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 it opens in this little home that day. There is this mother with her two sons and all the empty vessels sitting around all over the kitchen, probably into the living room. And she picks up that flask of oil and one of the sons says, Mom, what are you doing with that? Why did you have us borrow all these vessels when that's all you've got? And she says, boys, I don't know all the answers. But I believe the Lord is about to do something great in this home today. See, guys, your daddy didn't leave us much. But he did leave us this little flask of oil. And, and, and the preacher said that if we, we would get all the vessels we could get, God's going to do something. And boys, God is wanting to fill every one of these vessels out of this little flask. Really? Sure about that, Mom? With that, she says, let's just wait and see. And she picks up the first vessel. And I just think it's probably like a gallon. And it just keeps pouring and pouring and pouring. She fills up a gallon out of that little flask. And, and then she says, bring, quick, bring another vessel. And the sons move in with another bottle. And the Bible says every single vessel was filled. And when that day ended, there was a mother and two sons who had learned a very valuable lesson. That when you're trapped, hallelujah, I said when you're trapped, you need to embrace your trust in a God that in the privacy of this family's home, they learned God was all-powerful, unlimited in his ability to meet their need. 
(laughs) The neighbors would hear what God had done and they would know it on an intellectual level, sure. But however, this mom and her two sons would know it on a personal level. It was a public miracle that was done in the privacy of their own home. And again, when the Lord shuts us up in a place of total dependence, if we will trust him, we can see the power, the provision Hallelujah. Time after time. This is the widow of Zarephath's experience. Uh, If you look in 1 Kings 18, this is also the experience of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and their experience in Daniel 3. This is Daniel's experience in the lion's den in Daniel chapter 6. Oh, they were trapped, but yes, they still trusted. And this was the experience of the disciples on the stormy sea of Galilee in Mark chapter 6 when the waves were coming over their ship. Hallelujah. We're trapped. But who is that coming across the waves? Why? We're still trusting God is going to show up. Praise God. See, when the Lord comes through for his people, the work he does might be widely known, but the greatest work he does is in the heart of his child. When the Lord moves in power and the child of God receives a lesson in faith, it'll never be taken away from them. No, 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 no. They were there. They saw it with their own eyes. They felt it with their own hands. Their faith is expanded. They'll never be the same again. That's what the Lord can do in your life and mine. Finally, observation number three. It's my final one. God provides a way out of the trap. God provides the way out of the trap. The woman and her son filled one vessel after another until every borrowed vessel was full. Oh, think about it, church. Come on. She began that day with nothing, but ended that day with everything. John D. Rockefeller of Standard Oil didn't have nothing compared to this woman. Huh? This is what God can do. And Elisha promised that the Lord would fill the vessels, and he did. Not a single word in a single promise of his fell to the ground that day unfulfilled. Listen, God will do. I want to tell somebody this morning, God's going to do. What is God's promised? said the oil flowed until the vessels run out and when the day was done every vessel was filled there's no limit to the amount of oil the only limit was on the number of vessels listen God's provision knows no limits in this woman's case and it knows no limits in your case or mine God is able to meet every need move every mountain and solve every problem his provision is limited by nothing but our faith God stands ready to give us oh folks you need to make room for the promise make room for the promise if we can trust him to take care of us And if we can get the vessels uh, under the flow of his provision, there is nothing that he will not do. Uh, Hallelujah. I said, Lord, increase my trust. Uh, Increase my faith. Uh, Let it blossom. Let it bloom. And let me say, God has been faithful. And by his grace, the need is met. Praise God. 
we got to close. One illustration, I'll close. Two men's going down to the lake one morning to do some trout fishing. And they stay there all day, Brother Krugman. One man, he has a strange habit. Every time he catches a trout, story says he, he pulls out a little eight-inch pocket ruler and he measures the trout. And if the trout measures longer than eight inches, he throws it back. So strangely enough, he kept doing this all day. And so he keeps all the small trout, throws back all the big ones. And his fishing buddy watches him do that all day long. And as they're preparing to leave, his fishing buddy looks at him and says, Man, I can't wait to ask you any longer. I've never seen anybody fish that way. You've kept all the small. You've thrown out all the big ones. And his buddy says, Yeah, yeah, that's what I do. So his friend says, Why? Why are you doing that? And the man says, Because I only have an eight-inch frying pan. Come on, think about that. Rather than get a bigger skillet, we're settling for smaller fish. I believe so often God wants to give us a 12 or 15 inch blessing and we we got this little eight inch faith. Hey, it's time to get a bigger frying pan. Somebody needs to get a bigger frying pan. When the day was done, there was enough oil in those borrowed vessels to settle all the debt, meet all her desires, and supply all her dependence. Her sons, it says, were even going to live on this. Praise God. God's supply was far more than sufficient. That is the kind of ability that our God possesses. He is able to do more than we can ask or think. Well, let's stand together. Various times in scriptures, individuals find themselves in impossible situations. Somebody shout out, trapped. Trapped. But they trusted God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I mentioned them a while ago. Boy, they're, they're, they're in the land of a pagan king. He orders them to worship a golden, golden image. And if they comply with his request, they're going to be condemned by God's law and their own conscience. If they don't comply, he says he's going to cast them in the fiery furnace. They are trapped. Hmm? Boy. Right then, you'd, I'd begin praying, God, you got to strike this king down. you got to destroy that golden. Send some lightning to strike that golden statue. Lord, help us. We're, in, we're trapped. But guess what? God does something more creative. He lets those boys go and be thrown into the fire, but God sends an angel. Sometimes the angel gets in your trap with you. Oh, hallelujah. And the angel has come and he protects. You know the story. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego kept trusting in the middle of the trap. And all of a sudden, the Holy, the Holy One of Israel shines up and shows up. And, and, the, and, the, and the king says, that fourth man in there looks like the son of the gods. Listen, likewise, Jesus got trapped by the Jewish leaders. And, 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 and they said, well, if he's not the son of God and, uh, you know, and he doesn't perform the works that the Father gives him, then he's betraying his mission and if he does admit he is the son of God then you know these leaders they're going to 
crucify him for blasphemy. Christ got trapped. Hello. I said even Christ got trapped. Part of us would like God the Father to come down and thunder and lightning and teach those leaders of of, of the Jews a lesson. Part of us would like Christ to be just just raptured up into heaven and not have to go by the cross. Part of us would like, listen, but the Father performs an ultimate act of creative power. Listen, He doesn't save Christ from the cross. Instead, He saves us through the cross. Hallelujah. Christ who stayed faithful to the Father is then raised on the third day. I said, do you see a pattern here? If you will trust him while you're trapped, there's great things coming if you'll trust him. Sometimes he saves us from the difficulties, but sometimes he saves us through the difficulties. Father, here this morning, I don't know who you're talking to, but Lord, I know you laid this thought on my heart. And somebody here, maybe they feel trapped. And Lord, I pray that they'll be able to affirm their faith and their trust in God and believe you. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's children say amen. Why don't somebody step out of your seat and say, I'm going to come and affirm my faith because I'm in a situation I don't really have the direction or the answer to. I'm feeling a little bit like this lady in the text. I, I need some answers. Listen, when things are beyond your control, it's a good time to affirm your trust in God. Hallelujah. Why don't you come? The altars are open. God richly bless you.